step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Hi everyone, welcome to America Meditating Radio and The Next Normal. I'm your host, Sister Jenna. We're talking about Alzheimer's today with our special guest, Carlin Maddox, and it's something that's near and dear to me. Many of you have been on my journey, and you know, if you watch Next Normal every night, that my mother, who has now officially dementia and Alzheimer's, has been a very important part of my life right now, where at one point I thought it was just her, you know, being a little bit naughty. Now that I've gotten all the reports back, it's just confirmed, and It was interesting, the shift that I took after her scans came back and it was confirmed that she had dementia and it was pretty severe. I wasn't quite sure why the shift happened. I think it was more an acceptance that, okay, this is really it. This is the state that she's in right now and you just have to go with it. So my guest today is someone that I would like to learn from in terms of all the things around this particular issue. And so let me start off by introducing him and sharing a little bit about this. The Alzheimer's Association reports that more than 6 million Americans are living with Alzheimer's disease, which is the most common cause of dementia. It's often not easy for families to talk about a loved one's diagnosis because of the stigma surrounding the disease. As a devoted caregiver and husband of someone who was diagnosed with early Alzheimer's in her 50s, Carlin Maddox joins us to discuss what it's like to have a loved one who fades away even as they continue to live, and the early warning signs and treatment options along with the biggest challenges for loved ones and tips for caregivers. Carlin Maddox is the author of A Path Reveal, How Hope, Love, and Joy Found Us Deep in a Maze called Alzheimer's. Please welcome Carlin Maddox to the air. Carlin, thank you so much for joining us. 
Thank you, Sister Jenna. It's good to be here. Well, as I mentioned to you earlier, I'm going through it. I've been going through it now, I would say, maybe for the last three years. And I would say that the last year and a half to almost two years, things just changed much more in terms of behavior, activities. And keep in mind, my mother was my spiritual teacher, my business partner, best friend. So when all of that went, Carlin, it was like, oh, I lost so much, you know, and then I had to adapt to something that's completely different. So please tell us about Alzheimer's and dementia and how it actually affects us. I mean, what's the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia? Well, to that point, Alzheimer's is a form of dementia, but it's the most common form of dementia. In terms of the magnitude of it that you were speaking to, about 6 million people have been diagnosed with it. And a lot of researchers think that a lot of people have yet to be diagnosed who are with it. But on top of that, when you include the primary caregivers directly affected by this, you have a population of about 25 million people. And if you were to translate that into a statewide population, that would be the third largest state in this country. So the magnitude is massive. Personal level, my wife was 50 when she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. I was 52. We had two children in college and one in high school at that time. And just when we got the word from the doctor after she had gone through a series of tests, this was in September 1997, When we got the word of this, our world did not turn upside down. It just imploded before us. You talked about all the relationships that you had with your mother. My wife and I had sort of a working partnership. I was publishing a business magazine, and Martha was very active in politics and civic affairs here in St. Petersburg, Florida. She had been on the St. Petersburg City Council back in the mid-80s for six years, and the year before she was diagnosed, she had run for an open seat for the Florida State Legislature, which she lost in the primary by 20 votes. We were very disappointed with that at the time, but very hindsight, I was glad that she did lose. But it was something I was totally unprepared for at age 50, at 52, You're in the prime of your life at 52. I mean, both of you are like ready to really live at 52. Well, the kids were growing up now. When we got home from the doctor's office, we cried a lot and we prayed a lot. And then Martha told me, said, Carly, I do not want to tell a soul. I don't want to tell my parents. I don't want to tell our children. And I don't want to tell my brothers. And I don't want to tell my friends. And that was a hard thing to do. And in terms of what evolved over time, Sister Jenna, as I try to explain to people about my book, my book is not a caregiver's guidebook. Alzheimer's is not the focus. It's the context of the book. The book turns out to be a spiritual odyssey that we went through as it unfolded before us. That said, the only person Martha was willing to talk to was a retired Presbyterian minister who had married us and baptized a couple of our kids. And 
when he came and we shared within the next day of getting this news, he was there with us. And we went through everything with him and he just, his shoulders drooped or whatever. He said, look, I've got a friend at the Sisters of Loretta in Kentucky, a Catholic monk. Her name is Sister Elaine. And I have yet to find somebody who has her gift of discernment. And I've sent a lot of friends to her and I would encourage you to go visit with her. We didn't know what to expect, but we trusted him, and we did. We connection and set an appointment and went up three weeks after Martha's diagnosis. And that was a very significant week for us. Sort of this whole thing began to open up. And I remember these many years later that Sister Lane told us, towards the end of our time with her, she looked at me and looked at Martha and said, you might want to check out the difference between willfulness and willingness, between being willful and being willing. And then she pointed us to a book in her library, and I got it and looked at it, and I didn't understand what the book was saying. Mm. Uh, That began to open up a whole venue for us as we were going forward to the point that you were making. I had to learn to step into Martha's world now. In terms of, I had to stop arguing with Martha that she was wrong on something, and I'm right. <laughs> and you smile. I think you smile with a knowing smile there. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember our daughter, Rachel, middle child, just was very frustrated that Martha wasn't connected with her the way that she had always connected with her. And she tells me many years later that that's what I shared with her. Rachel, you need to step into your mother's world. That's a very hard thing to do. And that's just sort of the way this thing opened up for us. It was a very tough odyssey, very hard odyssey. But there were mentors that seemed to arise. Are there literal angels? No, I don't believe there are literal angels, but there are angels who come along. Yeah, I agree. And, now, and it's I, been 17 years, right, Carlin? Sometimes I hear that when a loved one has dementia or Alzheimer's, it's like a fading away quickly. But you've been with Martha and dealing with this odyssey for 17 years. What has it been like for you? Well, I'll tell you, some people call something like this a journey. To me, the word journey is too tame of a word. It implies too much planning. The word odyssey, in a classical sense, as you well know from your experience, You wake up one day in a foreign and strange land. You are lost, you're confused, and you're hurt. And you want to get back home. And so that's what I was going through. I wanted us to get back home, back to normal, and back to Martha being the mother and the wife and kids being the kids and whatever. How are the kids doing this time? Was it hard on them too? It was very hard. Following up on the point I was making, then I'll get into that. I did get home, but I found out that home was not the same place as when I left, and I was not the same person. Mm. The kids had a real struggle with this, as I did, and I began, I had been keeping a journal. I had so much information coming at me, I just had to keep it all in one place. But at some point, I was having some insights about this or that. And I was just making copies of these pages and sending to the kids in college and giving to Catherine, who was here, and and that really helped them understand what was going on. 
uh, when Rachel and David graduated from college and returned home, they came to me and gave me the best gift I had received through this whole odyssey. They told me, Daddy, we would like to give you a weekend a month off. And I said, what? And they were serious. And so I took them up on that pretty quickly. And I spent much of that time in a nearby monastery, just venting and ranting and doing whatever I needed to do. But the kids had to grow up real fast. David and Rachel and Catherine as well had to grow up real fast. And I look at them now and the families that they have and whatever, and they're dealing with their own kids. They're in a very healthy state, I think. But we had to deal with not just the physical symptoms, the volatility and the ins and outs and ups and downs. We had to deal with some very serious spiritual issues. Yeah, yeah. Resentment, bitterness. Yes. Impatience. <laughs> impatience. You name it. Yeah. And that all goes back to what I remember Sister Elaine telling you. You either can be stubborn and try to go down this path and forge it, or you can just be willing to respond and learn how to respond. So that was a very important lesson for us all, whether we learned it in those terms or not. It's just very important to go along in those terms. So I know that one of the things I heard, Martha picked up water painting. How was that helpful for her? And I tried that with my mother. She just painted once and never picked it up again. And I guess it had to do with that I had to keep being behind her all the time. And even the aides just couldn't get her to continue, you know. And how come Martha stuck to the water painting? Well, Sister Jenna, every person is different. And Martha had never watercolored, but one of the angels in her life was our sister-in-law, KK. And two years after Martha's diagnosis, she came to Martha and said, Martha, why don't you join me in a watercolor painting class? And Martha really loved KK, and that's the only reason she went. I said, well, this is not going to last long. <laughs> and so KK went with Martha to the class once a week or once every two weeks, I forget which, for a year. And their friendship bonded even more. So that was real critical to Martha being involved there. What a painting went on for probably two to three years before it just sort of evaporated. But what happened with Martha was her confidence after getting the diagnosis had just collapsed. Martha had been very confident. And her confidence just evaporated, just dissolved at her feet. Mm. This really brought her confidence back. She would take me out to a craft store and say, Carla, we need to get this, 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 and this, and whatever. And so we did. And the teacher would give Martha a sketch, and then Martha would do the coloring. And it was just wild kind of coloring, very colorful. And Judy, the teacher, came to me one time and said, Carla, I don't know where this is coming from. You can't teach this kind of coloration. And so that went on, and it was just a very healthy time during this period. Good for her, good for her. How's Martha doing now? Well, she died in June of 2014. Oh, wow. So that's been going seven years next month, yes. And how are you doing? Well, I took my temperature today, and I think I'm doing all right. (laughs) I'm living by myself, but I've got two children here in the Tampa Bay area with uh, five grandkids, and just telling all three kids not long ago, 
you three are my best friends. Mm. And I mean that. And it's very important. We've stuck together and held together very closely. And so that just really helps me and where I am. I have been writing a blog since 2015 in relation to all this, which is at uh, Carlin Maddox, C-A-R-L-E-N-M-A-D-D-U-X dot com. And having interaction with people who are going through this thing or something similar to this. And I think that's been a good outlet for my grieving. Writing my book, when I opened up the journal, I decided I was going to write a book. I looked at my journal. I said, oh, man, this is too raw. I just can't do this. But finally, something said, do it. And I did it. And that was most helpful as helping me get through this time. Yeah. Now, I know that as a caregiver myself and for many caregivers, being able to find that energy to continue isn't always so easy because it's not that you don't want to take care of them, but the energy depletion is coming because you wish they were better, you know? So there's this split inside of your consciousness. I want them to be what they used to be or better, but, you know, I'm taking care of them. And that consciousness for me is what does the draining on my capacity. I know, okay, now this is the way she's going to be, and that's just what I have to accept. But that part of me that I've been working on to let go of, I wish she was how she used to be, that's getting much less. So I'm able to maintain my energy a little bit more than I used to at the beginning. What about you? Did you ever find yourself in that position? Uh, How many times do you want me to count on this? Uh, Two million. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that we learned, and you learned long ago, that Sister Elaine just briefly mentioned to us that we might want to check out meditation. And we began to check into it. We found a Father John Main out of the Christian tradition, Christian Benedictine tradition, and began to practice that form of meditation. I would sit side by side with Martha and hold her hand and silently repeat the word that we were doing. And that really lowered her anxiety level over time, not immediately, but over time really lowered her anxiety level. Mm -hmm. And as it did hers, it did mine as well. And so that was significant all the way through the 17 years. I agree. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Forgiveness is a big part of this journey. Was there a moment that you can point out where you had that realization of forgiving all the times you might have yelled at her, knowing that she just couldn't do any better. Maybe just forgiving yourself for being impatient. Maybe forgiving the universe and the destiny to have willed you this opportunity. Was there a moment that you felt like, I have to forgive and let this go? There wasn't a moment. There were just several moments. Mm-hmm. Um, one where I began to understand the impact of bitterness and Anger, become friends with a, an Anglican priest out in Sydney, Australia, and he was big on this whole thing of forgiveness and the impact on your own physical well-being, not just spiritual and emotional well-being. I had never translated that as being part of it, so I really began to focus on that. And we were listening to a tape of his one time when our daughter Catherine was still at home, and as Martha had issues with her father her whole life. And after the tape was over, about this 
particular one on forgiveness, Catherine turned to Martha and said, Mommy, isn't about time you forgave Granddaddy? And Martha looked at her and at me and said, Yes, it is. Wow. And so she wrote a note to her father and had me transcribe it for her. Another time, I was fortunate to be able to spend a week in the hermitage of Thomas Merton's up at Gethsemane Monastery. And just the whole week, I was just seeking some insight and openings and whatever. And the basic thing that came through was just the need to forgive Martha's parents or whatever impact or whatever. And there are other moments for that, for understanding that I am loved regardless and understanding that Martha is loved, understanding that Martha is still here, but not in the same form that I've always had wanted and appreciated. She was not a non-person. She was still a person, but it was had a long time learning that kind of stuff, but it's very important. I mean, it certainly helped me not to burn out, Sister Jenna. Yeah. It certainly helped me to keep moving forward. Okay. This question is important to me. Did Martha ever get to that point where she just did unusual behaviors and nothing made sense anymore? And there were those times that she was so stubborn in doing what you thought would help her or the family to make things easier? Or was her Alzheimer's or dementia different? Because I know each case is different. Each case is different. In, quote, normal times, Martha did have a temper. Interestingly, as this progressed, Martha became a softer person. And so that would have made it different. One's so much dealing with anger on her part, but it just didn't make any sense, stuff that she was trying to do. And that's when I would start trying to get into arguing with her and beginning to learn to, well, let's go into the flow of this and see if I can redirect this without face-to-face kind of arguing, Sister Jenna. And that was just an important learning process for me. It fascinates me. There was one case with my mother. I speak very, very respectfully. I'm very, very wired to respect my elders. And since I've been going through this, I speak sweetly. I do share. I hold my patience. And then there are times that I just can't, you know, I might have six meetings and the caretaker's not able to manage her. My brother's not able to take care of her. I've got this. I'm the only one that she'll listen to. And then I'll go and I'll talk to her and she's a little bit in her own space. And then I will be really firm with her. And then one time she pointed out and she says, you don't have to be rude to me. And I said, how can you recognize that I'm rude to you and you can't recognize when I'm nice to you? I don't understand why you're not able to hear. You know, this is where I would get so confused. I go, you don't hear me when I'm nice, but you can recognize if I'm being rude. That means you know everything that's going on. So that's when sometimes I found my frustration meter would just go out the roof, you know? Have you ever been in that position when, They only heard you when you were really harsh versus when you were trying to flow with them in the direction that they were going? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I don't have a specific incident that I can recall, but I feel the emotion of that in terms of 
what you're saying, that just not connecting with what I'm trying to do or the like. And she's wanting to go a totally different kind of direction. I had three or four sort of the hardest moments during these 17 years. One of the hardest was just getting the news of it. One of those moments that you're talking about was having to take Martha's car keys away from her and to stop driving. And I felt like I had just totally betrayed her. And she stormed off and whatever. And another hard time was moving Martha into a nursing home. She was, at that point, not able to talk as much. She was walking some, but getting less and less so to take care of herself. So she didn't fight that as much. One time before then, I tried to get Martha into a daycare, adult daycare. And she went in and looked at it and says, I'm not going in there. (laughs) And I said, okay. So, yeah, you're going to have those moments. Yeah, yeah. It's really important for a caregiver to somehow sort all this out, Sister Jenna, because you've seen the statistics that too many caregivers will die before their loved ones Mm -hmm. just from burnout. And if you want to take care of your loved one, it's important that you stay here and that you get friends to help you out. If you're at a stage where the friends can come in and take Martha out to lunch or go for walks or whatever. Yeah, very important. Yeah. So now, are you doing any online book, you know, talks or anything like that that you'd like to leave some information with our audience to contact you? Yes. As I mentioned, uh, I do have a blog at www.carlinmaddox.com. I do have some interviews from time to time, like with you. My book uh, can be found on Amazon. It is A Path Revealed, How Hope, Love, and Joy Found Us Deep in a Maze Called Alzheimer's. And it was a deep maze indeed terms of being lost and not sure where you were. And somehow these traits, I call them divine traits of hope and love and joy sort of found us. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so th- th- those are a couple of points of contact, yes. Well, thank you so much. I understand the journey now. You know, before when I would hear about Alzheimer's and dementia, I had compassion and empathy. And now it's increased tremendously for me because I'm going through it on a day-to-day basis. Thank you, Carlin Maddox, for joining us on air. Everybody, I hope you've enjoyed our talk with Carlin and myself. And for anyone out there who's a caregiver going through what we have been through or are going through, feel free to pick up a copy of his book. It's nothing like somebody who's been there. For me, I'm still growing through the process because I still find myself going back thinking, oh, come on, you can do this, snap out of it, you know, especially at a soul level. Even today, you know, she's just been laying around in bed all day, and I keep saying, get up, get going, what's the matter, come and join me downstairs, and she's just not in that space, and so sometimes do I take sorrow from that, do I call friends, do I just go Om Shanti, the soul has come with her own karmic story, I don't know, maybe all the above. But what I do know is that I'm sure Carlin will share the same sentiments. We don't want to see anyone suffer. Loved ones or 
anyone for that matter, but suffering, pain, uncertainty is right now the season. And if we can continue to rise above it, talk to each other, find support systems, good friends, listen to shows like this, it helps. It helps. So please never feel that you are alone in what you're going through. There are millions of people who are available to comfort you and to hold your hand through the process. Remember, no one can really dictate to you how you should feel. It's entirely up to you. Whatever is the circumstance, it's entirely up to you. You take good care of yourself, Sister Jenna. I will, Carlin. Thank you so much. So everyone out there, you do the same. Take care of yourself. And there are many Alzheimer's hotline available for information if you'd like more. I know Maria Shriver has a wonderful program that she's been doing with it as well. And feel free to drop us a message. But do take care of yourself. And remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And I'm suspecting that we're here to love each other the same. Thanks again for joining us. Be well. I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.